This week's episode of Aussie Tech Edge is brought to you by Start New Company. Register your company immediately today with ASIC. ABN, TFN, GST registration is also available directly from the portal. Also set up your family trust and self-managed superannuation fund and more. All at startnewcompany.com.au. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash startnewco and keep an eye out for our regular specials. Start your new company now within 10 minutes of lodgement. All legal company documentation provided after registration. startnewcompany.com.au And welcome to episode 695 of Aussie Tech Eds. It's uh, recorded on the 24th of September 2020. Now, see, that little pause there was I was waiting. Remember, I always miss that second ad for the ATH web hosting. I was waiting for it to come, and it didn't come. So I don't know where the hell that is. But anyway, let me let me tell you all about ATH web hosting. If you're looking for a uh, stable, secure place to put your website, a small business or whatever, then you can go no better or further to find a better one than athwebhosting.com.au. Uh, it has what instant install scripts like WordPress, Joomla and Drupal, uh, all the good stuff. Or well, uh, over 230 scripts or something like that, but the main one you want to use is the WordPress. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's all the uh, hard drives, the SSD drives, that's so nice and fast. Uh, yeah, and you can go and talk to or go and view the website and the plans and register domains, email hosting and more, uh, athwebhosting.com.au. Now... Uh, I'm here this week again, uh, our monthly stint, as it seems. Uh, and it is, and no, I have to address last week's comment by uh, Jason and Jordan. Good to see Jordan last week, by the way. Uh, he's he's uh, busy boy with his virtual pub, but he, he stopped in to uh, have a chat with Jace. And they, they were accusing me of having a Commodore 64. No, it's the Commodore Plus 4. <laughs> <laughs> and so this week, uh, yes, well, I'm here. You heard the little giggle of uh, of disgust <laughs> from Paul hey, from Entire Computing Solutions. How you going, Paul? G'day, yes. Uh, it's Entire Computer Services. Glenn, I'm good, Sorry. mate. So how about you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. I think I get the solutions and services mixed up all the time. You can, you know... I was going to say you can spank me later, but uh, that might not sound too good. <laughs> Yep, spanking for you, lady. That's fine. <laughs> so, uh, what, what's been going on with you, Paul? What's uh, what, what's happening in the world of the entire computing computer services? We well done. We uh, I've actually been uh, really busy of recent. Uh, been dealing with a number of different things today, in particular. I've been dealing with quite a difficult one with an ISP who just can't come to the uh, can't come to the party that we're clients paying decent money and. I've been real busy um, looking after a client with that one because I've got a feeling we're just going to uh, drop an early termination and they can just uh, cancel any early termination charges I'd like. Mm. I think if that's, why, that's a big one for me recently. Yes, I think oh, I think if, if they haven't fulfilled the contract, this is the ISP, if they've given you dodgy service or service that's not acceptable, uh, then there should not be any termination fees. You should just rip it up. And uh, yeah. away you go. Yeah, yeah, and they should uh, happily do, especially if they're uh, with their with their, their their weight. That's right, and uh, yeah, it's sort of always yeah, you, know, you know, sometimes you know you get the the poos with the company, and you know they you say oh I want this and I want that, you know, it's sort of like to make me feel better, but you never go back to them. <laughs> you know, so no, no, um, it depends if you if if you get to a point where you just got to say I'm out of here. There's not much I can do other than say, okay, uh, and mm. if you have to go to the uh, ombudsman, so be it. I've, I haven't had to go to the ombudsman yet. They've usually come to the party because that usually just means lots of extra work for them. Mm. I actually did see something pretty quickly today that might interest you. Next year, Microsoft is bringing back, or, or maybe more prominently, a non-subscription office. Then I think... oh, really? oh, are you kidding? Is that a story? 
Oh, no, I didn't bring it in. I just read about it. Oh, I, I thought, want to hear about that because... Well, um, I just thought I'll wait till they, next they, year. They, they've been threatening for years to ditch... Um, uh, ditch uh, perpetual, they call it perpetual license. Mm. They've been threatening for years to ditch perpetual licenses. Yeah, well, apparently, well, so this one was saying apparently that I think Microsoft had some event pretty recent or something, and it looks like that they might be bringing it back. But you know, in what sort of format, no one knows. Like, you know, what does it going to uh, yeah. um, have? Like, what suites is it going to have? It's going to is as as it has been. It's just been so the basic version has been Word, PowerPoint, and Excel. You know, for the cheaper price point, then if you want to pay an extra two hundred, you get the Outlook. Um, I don't know if Outlook's yeah, worth well, it. Just what's that the perpetual one? You'll get um, uh, a Microsoft publisher, and that's it. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> but like, I don't know. Like, I, I do find. Well, I've got a perpetual one, and uh, although I can use the online versions for free, which are good, they're sort of stripped down, but they are still usable I, for what I, I, I think they have you tried to do much formatting with the online ones they're pretty weak yeah they are yeah I agree uh, they're not as good as the offline ones uh, however I would very much like to get involved into the collaboration part of it uh, which you, the the perpetual license doesn't allow you to do so, no true true mm. and and then you start talking when you're talking collaboration you're also talking potentially looking at teams which is an enterprise product which may not suit a lot of some people mm. and it's usually handled by an IT department then anyway so there's going to be limitations on that yeah but if you're just after but then if, if you're after just a, a word well, I guess formatting and whatnot I don't know I don't know I, look I don't mind the subscriptions I, I have been against subscriptions in the past but I can see the value in them just by way of uh you know, you don't you don't have to worry about buying new versions. That you know, as soon as the new version comes out, you yeah. can grab it. Um, I, I have been using. Um, I used uh, perpetual licenses for many many years, and the price went up and up and up. And then they decided uh, uh, with Microsoft Office Home and Student, they removed uh, Outlook. Uh, Outlook, and I use Outlook for business uh, stuff. So they pushed me to. Office Home and uh, I think it's business. And home and business for perpetual licenses like three hundred dollars compared to a hundred bucks a year for Office Home, Home and Student or Office Three Six Five. Home Home I think it's called, and that gives you uh, Outlook for a hundred bucks a year. So you're looking at three years versus to, to get your close to three years to get back what it costs for one uh, one license for perpetual. So you know, it's it's starting to get pretty close in uh, what's reasonable. Mm. Yeah, so I guess I just thought about, like, with well, I just mentioned collaboration before, and you, if you're out there listening, you might be going, well, you know, you just told us that you like subscriptions. Why have I got the perpetual one anyway? Well, yeah. it's because where uh, the wife works, they, they give you a perpetual version to take home, if you like, and it's just it's 15 bucks. So I think they might have went up to twenty five. Is that what you're bucks. using? <laughs> yes. So you stack up twenty five bucks against what two hundred and something. Uh, you can see. Well, you know, I'll, I'll stick with that. But um, but for the, with a the collaboration, if you got Dropbox, I'm pretty sure you can open uh, a Word or an Office document in Dropbox, and that will give you collaboration. Well, so, OneDrive. It, it just so happens Microsoft has an equivalent of Dropbox called OneDrive. Have you heard of that? Yes, but I'm not sure if you don't have a if you don't have the the subscription license, you still you don't get the collaboration with. The oh one, no, you don't. Yeah, but with Dropbox, you don't need. But you, said, you said yeah, you said Drop. I'm talking. You said Dropbox. OneDrive does the same thing, but it just works better. Yeah, but you don't. But with Dropbox, you don't have to have the subscription to the cloud version to be able to use the collaboration. So you can open yeah. up. I could share. We could both share a Word document via Dropbox. So you open it in Dropbox. I open it from Dropbox, and then we can both collaborate at the same time. Yeah, and I think, I think OneDrive does that. Only if you've got the subscription. As yeah, far well, as I know. you're talking about ditching subscription, going to uh, ditching perpetual, and going to subscription, aren't you? Yes, but that was the difference. I just that was just a benefit, uh, something I thought of that I was using just the other day. That if you don't oh, have okay. the subscription, you can still use the collaboration 
if you go via the Dropbox. Oh, sorry, I thought you meant if you were going to subscription. No, no, if you want subscription, yeah, just do it through OneDrive for sure. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm in state emergency service and in, in the state emergency, emergency service, we are provided with uh, a special license there called an E1 license. Mm. E1 means you get all of your online Microsoft Office, including Outlook without your advertising. Um, the only thing, it's the lowest level uh, enterprise subscription you get and we get no, no license, no um, rights to download software for that. So mm. we... And through that organisation, if we don't have Microsoft Office or Word or whatever on our local machine, it's all done in that cloud base. So I do have a, uh, a knowledge of what you're talking about. There. I think you can get that E1 version. Anyone can get it, I think. It's about, gives you, what, $5 or something yeah, for an no, email I know. Address? The ones we have in SES are a bit different because we've got Microsoft Teams that's built into that as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. We've look. got Teams, we've got SharePoint, we've got um, Sway, We've got a whole heap of stuff which, on a normal level, the average SES member doesn't use, but the top end want us to have all the equivalent of what the all the executives in government have. Mm. Yeah, it was without, fair ha without having the uh, ability to download anything. Yeah, that's well, it's fair enough because, like, you know, the the world is Microsoft. The business world is Microsoft. I can't see yes. no, nothing. Nothing's going to change that unless they blow up. So, it's not, and Microsoft's doing. They've changed their focus a bit and they've got a mighty stable operating system. They're the best they've ever been, in my opinion. Yeah, look, yeah, look I haven't had, I don't get oh, blue screens hardly ever. And if I do, it's probably because the computer overheats. <laughs> yeah, well, silly. there's one way to fix that and that is um, cleaner. Yeah. So I was talking to you, well, just before, I want to go into this cleaning because you were t telling me something about blowing air before. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, we're not talking about that now, eh? Well, hey, just before we do, I just want to uh, thank everyone that contributes to the Patreon. Uh, you can sign up for $4 a month or $10 a month or whatever you want to do, and that just uh, goes towards helping, uh, I don't know, keep, give Paul a coffee every now and then. He hasn't got mm. one yet, but every now and then. Uh, <laughs> gee, that's a big one. Yeah, I, I get big. That's what I pay for. <laughs> And uh, so it just helps. Uh, I just, you know, we've got the, the Aussie Tech Radio and so forth and all the hosting services and, and blah, blah, blah. And, and the buyers of coffee, so that's really good. So we've got to, uh, we'd like to thank, and, and I know these are just handles, so we'll just go a big thank you to CDNMView. I'll get that wrong every time, I'm pretty sure. It's CDN, whatever that is, I don't know. But thank you, whoever you are. CDNMView. Bouncing. Yellow, I think it is, Daniel and Aman, David Bird, Chris, and also Andrew, who's uh, who contacted us through the uh, through the last couple of weeks, and he wanted to uh, do a little donation, coffee, a coffee through PayPal. So thank you, Andrew. Wow. It's uh, very much appreciated. And Good on you, people. Thank you. So you can go to... Uh, Go to the Wesley's website. I think Will's done all this. He's very good, that Will. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Aussie Tech Heads. So there you go. Uh, yes, so... Yeah, and don't forget the AussieTechRadio.com, 24-7 back-to-back of the Australian Tech Podcast. They are just they just repeat every time they play through. So you come in at any time of the day or night, you just get where the server's up to, and you can have a bit of a listen. That's a good way of maybe finding a new show or just something that random that you haven't programmed. You know, let, let us program for you. Uh, yeah, so blowing air. Now, I was talking to Paul just before about the overheating issue that we had last time and i said oh look i just take i bought a little air compressor thing that blows air out and i just blow the the dust out of the computer now you had a problem with me doing that didn't you yeah well from my understanding uh it's it's unlikely it's going to happen but there is a chance that if you compress air just normally in a room you compress it and blow it through on over circuits on computers the that that can cause a uh, negative or positive discharge to happen somewhere, whether it be on the circuits or um, whatever it be, but when you pass, if there's friction involved, when you're pushing air out of something, there's friction, that can separate electrons and you can get a um, static uh, spike will come through your circuitry and can damage chips. Mm. That's why cans of nitrogen exist, because nitrogen does not um, cause that same problem. Right, so I know, look, I've used this thing numerous times and I've had, I haven't had any problems with it. Um, but I guess I'll just be careful. Can you can you uh, ground the machine? Do you think, or 
It just um, doesn't matter. Well, you can you can ground it. It's it's a good idea to touch if you're holding onto the gun. Touch the machine with the case with your left hand to close that to close that circuit. But nonetheless, there's still other other uh, aspects of that which you don't have control over. Mm. Um, I was going to say. No, no, I forgot what I was going to say. But <laughs> uh, yeah, that's one way is to ground yourself while you're touching the computer. But it's relative to the value of the machine. If you're working on a machine that's worth $50, well, I'd just get me back and clean with a brush on the end and oh, rub, that, rub that around on the board. It doesn't matter because you lose 20 bucks worth of machine. Jeez, I'd, I'd, I'd even draw the line at that. That's when you want to want to create a fire, a static firestorm. It's only twenty dollar machine. You just run outside with the burning machine if that happens. Yeah, but if it's not your machine, you got to go replace it. <laughs> twenty twenty bucks. I can afford twenty bucks. Yeah. Oh, sorry, missus. Your your computer's just blown up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't no, be trying it's, that. It's anything that's worth any value, or if it's got valuable data on it, that's when I'll go. I'll I won't use the compressed air thing you use. One because I don't have one, and two. Um, the nitrogen uh, overcomes that. If, if it's my machines and I've got nothing valuable and I can replace my $20 machine, I don't muck around. I, I'm not too worried if I kill it because it just gives me a reason to upgrade. Mm, mm. Well, yes, this is right. I need an upgrade too. Uh, okay, so so the moral of the story here is take to it with your vacuum cleaner. No. I've, I've, no. I've, I've, just, I've just bought a, a NAS, so I'm out of money. Yeah. Or if <laughs> it is really not very valuable, wash it down. Oh, now you're talking. Make it shiny. <laughs> <laughs> get a get one of the chucks out and then just wipe the ram chips with the chucks cloth you know no, no, you get a hose and you just hose it in. or get some solvol and just and just, just <laughs> but, and like when you pull the ram chip out you know the the, the gold teeth on it get the solvo solvol onto those get all that scrub all that gold off yeah yeah that's right yeah you want to try and and, and put it over a, a tissue so you can try the gold flakes will fall onto your tissue you know and, yeah and you can sell your tissue yeah. After you get enough, you might be able to make an an ingot out of it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's years. my advice. Don't people out there, if you've got a valuable machine, available data, use nitrogen to uh, uh, dust uh, dusty circuits. Don't don't use compressed air of any sort. Mm. Uh, you can contact us at facebook.com forward slash Aussie Techheads if you would like to leave us a message or uh, interact somehow. <laughs> you can also leave a voice message on the website if you like. Uh, it's uh, at Aussie Tech. Is it aussietechheads.com.au forward slash podcast? I forgot. Um, all right, let's get into some stories here. Uh, I might as well kick off if you like. Yeah. Yep. Just, I've got it here. Uh, Aussie Broadband, which I love because I'm with them, and I think they are probably one of the better ones out there, although I haven't really tried too many. But, you know, like you ring up and you get an Aussie. Aussie service is just fantastic. They've got an app. Uh, look, I can't, I can't think of any fog. There's nothing... At the moment, I, I, I've heard very little negative uh, reports about this crowd, except for the fact that they may be hiding their price increase until after their share offer. I think no, no, want... the, no, the price increase. What you're about to talk about, I think. Well, I think yeah, because I was thinking. Just I got an email last week that they were offering. I think they must be on public or something, and so it was going to list on the stock exchange, and all their customers had a chance to buy a share for a dollar. And are, are, you, are you sure about that? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know about yeah. that. And so I'm not sure what they've listed at or what they are now. I didn't want to be bothered. But uh, but then now, this week, then I see this Aussie broadband price increase. And I thought, hmm, question the timing a bit, you know, like maybe, you know, you could see why it wasn't released last week or, or previous no, weeks. because no, of it's the... to do with the um, NBN changing their wholesale pricing. Yeah, go into your article. Go into your article before we talk much more, much more about it. All right. So price increases on the Aussie broadband 100 megabits tier plan will start rolling out to the ISPs existing regis- residential and business customers in November. Now, the Aussie broadband in early August announced the price of its all residential and business 100 megabit plans, one seniors plan, and legacy plans will be sold at no extra cost. New residential plans uh, went up by ten dollars. And the senior plan went up by six. So uh, uh, the price of all its residential and business 100 meg plans, seniors plan and legacy plan would be sold at no extra cost. So does that mean that if you're legacy, you rock and roll uh, on, you know, nothing changes? Uh, yeah, legacy, but they'll give incentives to uh, roll off of legacy plans, I reckon. 
Yeah. So, um, well, let me let me just push this yeah, keep, window. Keep going there. And I'm just going to push this window out here. So hopefully, we can I can get this up on the screen. Oh, you're sharing? Yeah. Oh well, that didn't work. When we do, <laughs> when we do your story, I'll uh, I'll fix that up. Now, yes. So blah 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 blah. Yes, uh, blah, 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 blah. So it mentioned that existing customers affected would be notified in September and provided 60-day notice of the increase. I haven't got one yet, so it's still two months away at least. It goes without saying that, and this is this is uh, Aussie Broadband talking here, it goes without saying that we did not want to do this, uh, but due to increased costs and the current NBN wholesale pricing model, we have been forced to choose between congestion or higher prices. So Aussie Broadband cited the reason for the increases as related to increased Aussie Broadband cited the reason for increases as related to increased internet usage during the the, uh, the Wuhan pandemic, with network bandwidth requirements regularly exceeding that which the ISP has budgeted for. The company said it had to make the decision to remain profitable. Fair enough. Now, that's not just Aussie Broadband. Everyone is going to be hit with that rise in MBN wholesale pricing, and that's partially because of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, which forced the, um, oh, it didn't force, but the NBN provided a whole bunch of extra speed and bandwidth, bandwidth and uh, download capacity of people. That's why everyone got an increase. Those who had uh, caps on band, on the amount of download, there was increased. Uh, I have a 500 gig uh, cap on mine that was increased to 700. And a lot of the other ones that have caps had that increased as well as some had speed increases. So right. that's why, uh, and now NBN is going to cut that but um, as a result, I don't think they're going to roll this amount of download or speedback. They're going to increase prices, as well as the NBN has finished rolling out their NBN now, and they're also cutting, I forget what it's called. It's called a public circuit line or something like that. It's basically a credit, especially for those really low-end plans like your 12 meg oh, yeah. or they want to really low-end plans. They, they cut that. And um, they're almost going to be making a loss on those plans now if they keep their price the same. Mm. Yeah, well, so who's to blame you, MBN? Well, MBN has put their price up. That, that's called inflation. MBN's put their price up and all the ISPs are going to have to follow suit or absorb the uh, absorb it. That, that's my understanding of it. Well, they're running at a massive loss anyway, aren't they? MBN yeah. themselves. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and you see, they've got, um, this is on a different issue, but, NBN has got the mobile service, Telstra's mobile service is breathing down their neck. Um, it's getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper to a point where people can move across to, some people can move across to mobile and save money. So NBN's got to stay ahead of the game and they're doing that by, they're already started talking about upgrading the NBN to, uh, I think it's 200 meg uh, services, which are currently not available unless you pay really high business for mm. really high business plans i've got another mbn story coming up in a minute that oh, that, that could be part of it yeah because mbn's a lot of talk at the there's a lot of talk in mbn at the moment mm. well whatever happens as long as it's that for me i'm happy with 100 down 40 up and i pretty much get that consistently uh look what i don't like is when Fortnite updates and it takes hours yeah, okay. And, um, but that's not necessarily your broadband causing that. It could be no. the server that's uh, oh, serving it. Yeah, it's definitely the server because you do a speed test and you're still you're still flipping out at 90. But then, yeah. you know, your Fortnite's downloading at uh, 7K. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's, a lot of people don't realise that. When, you, when you're doing updates, same with Windows updates. Windows updates, you might be looking at one gig or two gig of data to do an update. The, the, the update size is not the problem or the NBN. The problem is where it's coming from because the rest of the world's also downloading it. Yeah, that's right. Because I would have thought, like, um, so with Windows, you can, there's a setting, well, there used to be, there's a setting in there where, so if you've got, like, five computers in the house, one computer downloads the update, then the other five can grab the update from that computer. So saving yeah, your bandwidth. Test, yeah, yeah, I've, it still exists, and they're improving it. But up until recently, I don't think that's actually worked once. You can actually go in and have a look at the stats on it, and it'll tell you what it's downloaded in updates from other machines. Right. Like I've, I've got like four or five computers in my house, and not once to this day, maybe it's because I turn all of the settings off and don't allow uh, Windows to lift a finger without my say-so. Mm. Maybe that's the problem there. Probably. But never <laughs> does mine pull from another machine. 
Yeah, because I thought I'm sitting there because we got two Xboxes and I'm sitting there thinking, why can't, you know, one just download it and the other one just, you know, instantly just grab it from the other machine. But anyway, that's just the first world problem, isn't it, in, on yeah, the Gold Coast? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so let's go and see what, have, what you've got cooking over there. Paul. What I got cooking, okay, we've already cooked about a couple of things there. Okay, let's well talk done. about one that um, I've had on the on the on the radar for a, for a while, and it's uh, Microsoft Underwater Data Center services after two years. Just uh, open that site there, uh, Glenn. Um, let's have a quick read through this. So, um, after two years, bring the picture up. After two years, uh, two years ago, Microsoft sank a data center off the coast of Orkney in uh, in an, in a wild experiment. The data center has now been retrieved from the ocean floor and Microsoft researchers have us, are assessing how it performed and what they can learn from it about the energy efficiency. No humans, no failures. The first conclusion is that the cylinder packed with servers had a lower failure rate that a conventional uh, than a conventional data center. When the container was hauled off the seabed around half a mile offshore after being placed there in May 2018, uh, just eight of the 855 servers on board had failed. That is fantastic. Eight? Uh, yeah, eight of 855. Mm -hmm. That com uh, compares very well to a conventional data center. Our failure rate uh, in the water is one-eighth of what uh, we see on land, says Ben uh, Cutler, who has led the Microsoft has uh, led what Microsoft calls the Project Natick. Mm. The, I'm going to keep going here. It's not too long. Um, the team is speculating that the greater greater reliability may be connected to the fact that uh, there were no humans on board and that nitrogen, there's that nitrogen again, <laughs> and that nitrogen rather than oxygen was pumped into the capsule. Nitrogen uh, does not oxidise like oxygen does, which causes uh, corrosion of uh, copper. Right. Uh, reading on? Yes. We think, we think that it has to do with the nitrogen atmosphere uh, that introduces corrosion. The we think it has to do with the nitrogen atmosphere that reduces corrosion and is cool. The people are not banging, uh, and people are not banging things around. Mr. Coulter said, love the uh, subtle term there, banging things mm. around. <laughs> who, goes around see, who goes around server rooms banging things? <laughs> yeah, you take a cricket bat in there, you just knock a few things around. Well, pl yeah, play cricket, you know, <laughs> smash a ball into a couple of server do uh, tower door things, you know, and um, see if I can hit that hard drive over there. <laughs> Orkney was uh, chosen for the trial by Microsoft partially because it was uh, a centre for renewable energy uh, research uh, in a place where the climate, wa climate was temperate, perhaps even chilly. The idea was that the cost of cooling computers would be lower if they were underwater. Um, there's a couple of links yeah, there. Fair enough. The whites, the whites suddenly emerged from the cold waters of uh, cold waters with a coating of algae, barnacles, and sea and nominees, whatever that is, after a uh, day-long operation. Uh, but inside the data centre was functioning well and is now being closely examined so that the research team can learn more. Um, I won't read on any further. There's a nice picture a bit further down. Go down a bit further. You'll see the uh, inside of what it looks like. It's, just round, it's round on the outside, but you see there's conventional racks with um, just a server racks in there. I was going to ask you before, just when you first started, like, why was it any reason why it was round? Round is stronger. Um, that's why submarines are round, and they don't make square submarines. Right. Okay. Because humans uh, uh, operate nicely in square things, mm. but uh, water tends to be a bit high pressure, and they can create stronger surfaces with round. Hmm. I suppose you've got yeah the forces sort of pushing out from all. Pushing in, pushing in, not out. Yeah, yes, yeah. Well, yeah, it's like the Harbour Bridge, isn't it? That's what it was. Yeah, thinking. like check out, check out those um, air bol those ends bolted on. There must be like a hundred bolts in the end of that. Yeah, where's that? Oh, that one there. The ends of the machine. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of bolts. 
Yeah, it's, it is. And look, I suppose to get give an idea of the size of it, there's a couple of guys hosing it as it comes out, and they're on a little lift. So I yeah. guess if you were to put a person at the bottom of the the cylinder door, yeah, I'd have to be three meters high, three meters in diameter. So it's a pretty big yeah. cylinder. Yeah, it's pretty massive. So so it was a fully functional thing. It was powering something. Yeah. Yeah, they had it. I think it was. They use it as a data center. I think further down, I think it mentioned somewhere in there, it was primarily used for data storage. Mm. It doesn't matter what it was used for. The fact that it was used and operating for two years and had eight of eight hundred and fifty-five servers went down, whereas on land they said eight times that. So it would, if it was in a conventional data center with people with their cricket bats, mm. you'd, be, you'd be looking at. Um, a lot 64, more. 64 uh, losses comparatively. Yeah, right, right. Uh, probably not as easy to switch them in and out, though, in the, when it's... No, we, well, they, basically, they build these things. They didn't send someone down to switch. You don't switch them in and out. You put it down there uh, for two years, and if they die, they die and stay dead. They don't switch stuff out. They just have excess in there, mm. and they rely on less failure. And um, I suppose you could well, switch in, the, in whole, article, the whole sorry? tube in and out. You can switch the whole thing like, okay, it's two years is up. It's time to bring this puppy up and then you just have another one to go down to replace it. So yeah, you, like you... they probably could have left that. Let's work on the, on the same uh, law of averages here. They lost eight servers in two years. So mm. they're going to lose 16 in four years. Well, in four years, I don't know how, what the life of a server is, but um, and we're talking, I think, it was full of SSDs as well, not um, hard drives. Mm. So they put some pretty reliable stuff in there. And further on in that article, it goes on to say that um, the uh, Microsoft calls it a saying, data center won't be a commercial product. Oh, I forget, maybe I read it in another article. Um, but they're saying that... Uh, well, there's another one here. No. What's this one? Microsoft yeah. Syncs data center. Yeah, that was way back when it was put down. Oh, okay. I saw that when it went down. I was pretty excited about it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I was going to say. Somewhere in one of these articles, I said one of the reasons they're looking at doing underwater storage instead of on land is if there was a um, natural disaster somewhere, they can deploy this thing by a ship. Let's say Los Angeles cops a, a big hurricane, takes out a whole heap of land data centers and what have you. They can basically put this thing on a ship, ship it to just outside the coast mm -hmm. and get um, some processing power very quickly to the site with cooling and not have to worry about uh, land infrastructure for it yeah. because the sea, the seafloor is a seafloor and this thing is a, is a standalone whole package. All it's got to do is have a big fat pipe going from there to your local whatever it is. Yeah, that's pretty cool, so, isn't it? So it can be deployed quickly after uh, the natural disasters. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's yeah, no, I, I've been watching this for a long time, for two years now. I remember when they put it down, I thought, fantastic idea. It's going to be really good to see the result. Yeah. And that's great, great results they got because there's no uh, cricket bats been swung around in there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah good stuff. That's that's um, that's um really good and very exciting too. I yeah, mean. yeah. And like cooling, if it's up there, well, you've got no cooling costs and, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And the cooling, yeah, because there's no air conditioners attached to that. It just relies on the... Uh, the uh, ambient temperature in the water mm. and water is consistent whereas on land uh you, you've got you've got natural cooling issues yes yeah, exactly all right uh yeah that's a good one now where am i going to go i'm going to go to the dark web now oh sounds good so the dark web drug raid leads to 179 arrests now police forces around the world have seized more than <clears throat> 6.5 million us dollars in cash and virtual currencies how do they how do they seize the virtual currency? They get well, all Bitcoin, the, that's hard to believe. Virtual wallets or something. Oh, there's one. There's one. <laughs> how do they get those? Must obviously the computers. So they've, they've stolen the computer or they've seized the computers. Uh, yeah, they, 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 they probably blackmail or not blackmail, but they probably threaten people and say, "Give us the codes, or we're going to send you in jail forever." Because that's, I think, in Australia, if you don't give them codes to uh, passwords or codes to release something, you can be stuck in jail until you eventually give them. Yes, I think that might be right. Uh, yeah, so they, they seized the, the cash and the virtual currencies as well as drugs and guns in coordinated raid on the dark web marketplace. Some 179 people were arrested across Europe, the US, and 500 kilograms of drugs and 64 guns confiscated. So the operation, uh, and probably interestingly known as Disruptor, with a capital T, 
yeah. uh, was a joint effort between the Department of Justice and Europol. It is believed that these criminals engaged in tens of thousands of illicit goods and services across the US and Europe. Now, the drugs seized included, and I've got no idea what half of these do to you, but there's fenton fentanyl? Fentanyl? Yeah, it's, it's an opiate. Oxycodone? It's another opiate. Methamphetamine? Uh, that's a bit like paracetamol, but just stronger. Heroin, cocaine, ecstasy, and MDMA. They're all opiates. So of the 119 arrested, of those, 119 arrested were in the US, two in Canada, 42 in Germany, eight in Netherlands, four in the UK, and uh, three in Australia. Oh, no, that's Austria. Oh, no, Austria. And one in Sweden, I was going to say. We're getting involved in the good stuff. But no, it was Austria. Australia's perfect. There's no one arrested there. No, we were at the other side of the world. So the the latest raid follows the takedown of the Wall Street market last year, which was then thought to be the second largest illegal online market on the dark web. So we all know the dark web, don't we? We know what we're talking about. Uh, so in, in the, Ed Vardis Silarius, and Vardis Silarius, head of the Europol's Cyber Crime Centre, said law enforcement is most effective when working together. That's probably not European. And today's announcement sends a strong message to criminals selling or buying illicit goods on the dark web. The hidden internet is no longer hidden and your anonymous activity is no longer anonymous. Strong message to criminals selling or buying illicit goods. Oh, yeah. uh, there was yeah. a podcast out, was True Crime. I think it was. I think I've said, spoke about this before. And it was all about the the Silk Road that was on the dark web and its origins and uh, how it operated and all the way. Yeah, I've, I've watched that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. If you look it up, uh, True Crimes, I think it is, a podcast, and it's a Silk Road, about three episodes, and it's really... Oh, no, I didn't know. I was watching... There's another one about Silk Road. Silk Road's pretty famous. Mm, yes. Yeah, so it's all... Um, <clears throat> well, I, I don't know. Have you ever gone onto the dark web? No, I don't know if I want to either. No, I can't be bothered myself. <laughs> I'm, too, I'm too busy to muck around with illicit stuff. I'm too busy to muck around with any sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so that's that's what's going on there. Everyone's getting the rest, so it's good, all the drugs yeah. are You notice, just one point I say there, uh, today's announcement sends a strong message to criminals selling and buying illicit goods on the dark web. The hidden internet is no longer hidden and your anonymous, and your anonymous activity is not anonymous. I think with people who are switched on, there's still that's a whole reason the tall browsers and uh, the dark web exist to provide anonymous anonymity, and I think there's still a fair chunk of uh, the dark web is anonymous. They just like to tell people that it's uh, uh, not anonymous to scare people away. Well, I just got an email just today about someone wants wants me to cough up eleven hundred dollars in bitcoins because they they uh, they hacked my password, which they displayed my password. Well, yeah. that's right. And yeah, that's because you, that's because you've been pwned before. That's why. And they and they said they've got videos of me doing rude things. <laughs> and if I don't pay, they're going to release the video. How dare they? So you're going to pay them to release that video? Yeah, I'll pay them to release it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's obviously a scam. You get them all the time. But uh, have you yeah. never? Yeah, yeah, I've got things like that. And I've got, I've actually had a password I had years and years ago, which I think was yeah. pwned uh, at one stage. The same as I know yours has been. Mm. Um, and mine is pwned a long, long time ago. And it was a password I ditched a long time ago. I sent them an email saying, we've got your password, here it is. And I was right. But yeah. um, uh, I'd changed it since then because I knew I'd been pwned. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah that's for, right. Though, for, those, for those of you out there who don't know what pwned is, look up, have, what, what, have I been pwned? Dot com or something. Yeah, whatever it is, yeah. And and you can do a search for yourself to see if you've uh you're on any list on any black lists out there of yeah. uh on the dark web and stuff like that that can be sold. Yeah, so what happens is yeah, so what happens is you put your email address in and it goes around uh to all the say the data dumps that have come from people, you know, they've they've hacked into Sony or they've hacked into Pizza Hut or whatever and they're selling all the data bulk data information. If your email is part of it, uh, some of the data they might be able to get is your email, your password, your address, maybe phone number, maybe color things. I don't know, uh, but it tells you what they've got and and everything. And yes, yeah, so they got the password, and you get these emails. Yeah, they 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 you know they can scare you. They they tell you they got you on video having a masturbating yeah. stuff like that. So they're no good. Yeah, but, no, and don't don't be um 
don't be don't be threatened by these people. Same with oh, it's the ATO. We're gonna we're gonna come and arrest you. I had a call yesterday from the ATO. Tell me that I'm gonna get arrested. Yeah. <laughs> not 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 going to be uh, put under arrest or um, that it was. I, the, the police, the FBI are going to come and you're gonna get arrested. Yeah, get arrested, boy. Yeah, don't be you people who don't know it. I'm sure most people who listen to this would know about this stuff, but don't be threatened by that crap. No. Just um, if the ATO wants to arrest you, they've got proper channels they go through, and they don't give you a phone call to say, "Pay me in bitcoins, or I'm going to get it." You're going to get arrested. No, their their customer service is very good. They'll come to your door. Yeah, and yeah, and they will talk to you face to face. So they should. And they let themselves in, and and yeah, they, no. well, that's sort of thing. very customer centric. They won't send you a phone call and say, "We're coming to arrest you if you don't pay us." No. Um, tell us about Google Maps. Google Maps, oh, geez, you put me in a spot there. Okay, Google Maps. This is a bit of an interesting one. I read, a bit of what? There is, I read them all. Yeah, yeah. New Google Maps feature will let app connect to cruise control systems. That in itself sounds scary, doesn't it? Mm. The well, integration of Google Maps in Android Automotive. Why they call it Automotive? I don't know. It's called Android Auto. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, we'll provide the application with plenty of new capability beyond the standard navigation package. And according to, to Google documents, these would include uh, connecting to cruise control systems available in the car. Hmm. Um, there's not much to show in pictures there. Uh, more specifically, Android Automotive, uh, which is currently available on the Polestar 2. That's a brand of car, Polestar. It's a European car. Right, right. Um, what's it, what's it gonna, so it's going to hook in to your cruise control yeah. to say so you go through a town, it slows your car? Yeah, and well, I'll hold that thought. We're coming to it. Sorry. <laughs> Available on the Polestar 2, but would soon make it its way to more models. Uh, uh, would also would allow Google Maps to actively, uh, would allow Maps to access safety-related driver assistance features driver assistance that is, not uh, control, uh, features for better integration. For example, Google says that Google Maps uh, would connect to the adaptive cruise control system to help do its magic. Uh, your car may have the ability to automatically accelerate and brake to keep a safe distance from a vehicle ahead. When there are no cars ahead, the vehicle speed can be adjusted by the driver or influenced by expected car speeds and legal speed limits. Google Maps can provide information to the adaptive cruise control system to improve the overall quality of the features, it says. I'm going to read the rest of this. There's not a lot. At the same time, Google Maps will provide speed limit information both for the current road you're driving on, but also in advance for different uh, so I read that again, uh, both for the current road you're driving on, but also in advance for a different sector where the restrictions could be different. Google Maps would thus be able to help car cars predict the, the speed limit in an upcoming area, but also provide the installed systems with such information based on a series of factors, including weather, time, and other conditions. Google Navigation app will also provide data to vehicle mapping services or VMS, uh, including offline maps. So you wouldn't have to be online to access it. The data used, in, uh, used to support the safety related driver assistance features in your car, like speed limit information or adaptive cruise control. These features rely on offline maps and map data, especially in areas where the internet connection or with, without an uh, internet connection or poor connectivity Google says. Nearly done. As noted, all these features would only be available when Google Maps is built into the car, which means that your model must come with Android Automotive preloaded. Polestar 2, never heard of that brand, but that exists, mm. is, is the first vehicle to use Android Automotive with Chevrolet, Cadillac, and a few others to install it beginning with 2000. In, uh, it beginning with 2001. So it sounds a little scary when it says it's just going to integrate with your cruise control, but it's it talks about um, 
uh, improving your driving experience, improving the safety, giving you warnings, giving you feedback, stuff like that. It's not about taking over your car in its totality, which is how it sounds initially. So Android already have a car. I suppose that's CarPlay, isn't it, or something? Well, no, CarPlay's Apple. So what are you talking about? The Android version of CarPlay. Android Auto? Yeah, is this the same thing? Uh, no, no, Android Auto has, because Apple CarPlay also integrates with Google. Google Android Auto is a version of Android, same as on your phone, but it, it's specifically designed, optimised for car use, mm. so you're not taking your eyes off the road. And yep. that includes voice into very good voice integration, minimal button pressing, big buttons, uh, less words, so you're not distracted from driving. That's the purpose of uh, Android Auto and Apple CarPlay. They both achieve the same thing. Um, Android Auto has gone one step further, and they're um, somehow linking that in with the uh, cruise control system in the vehicle, the um, automated uh cruise control systems in the vehicle, which chances are Apple will follow suit as well. Just give them time. They'll, mm. they'll copy. They'll have copy you, and vice versa. Have you got AirPlay or uh, CarPlay or AutoPlay, Android Car in any of your cars? <laughs> Android Auto or CarPlay is not installed. Oh, no, no. We've got a fancy, uh, in, in my wife's business, she's got a fancy 2020 model van, which has got a fancy um, head unit but it does not have uh, Android Auto or Apple CarPlay uh, no. included in it, which was a little surprising considering it's 2019 yeah. model. What, what, what brand is it? What uh, Re Renault, French. Right. I think it's French. you think a, a, a European car like that would have it, but I was surprised that it didn't and I was a little bit disgusted, it, actually. Everyone hates the French. The French already, I, think, I think it's actually sold. I think it's German or something. Now I, I don't know. All right. Let me let me do my next MBN, and then I've got one more to finish off with. How are we going time-wise? What are we up to? Yeah, we're just about there. We're nearly, right. probably nearly at the hour. So we'll I've do. done my two stories. Let them roll. All right. Now the MBN is to spend 3.5 billion to provide fibre to most homes by 2023. So this is all good news. Good. Uh, I've heard no bad news yet. <laughs> so. MBN, they're great. Fibre to the premises will be available to about 75% of the homes on the MBN, making a total of $8 million in all by the end of 2023. Now, let me get some of the most important points I've pulled out here. So, in a statement released early, this was in a statement released on Wednesday, uh, it said fibre would be laid in the streets to make this possible. Residents will be able to ask for their homes to be connected without paying anything, but will have to fork out much higher prices for the internet connections which this cost will be determined by the internet service provider. So why you wouldn't just go, yes, please, and I'll think about connecting later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the MBN Co has already spent about $51 billion on the network up to the end of the 1920 financial year. That's a lot of money, $51 billion. Not Well, they not predicted $50 billion when they first started, so they're doing okay. Oh, no, that was, sorry, that was in, oh, yeah, up to the year end. Well, they, they had a budget of 50, $50 bill. Yeah, so look, it's, it's a bit of a drop in the ocean, this JobKeeper price tag, isn't it? Yeah, it's, did you notice that? It's so it's nothing compared to the JobKeeper thing, is it? I know, and remember all the, the, the fluffing around about, you know, the 51, well, 50 billion. Uh, yeah. But I suppose at least this has got some sort of chance to make money. Uh, JobKeeper is, eh, maybe we'll keep people employed, get the tax, you know. Yeah, yeah okay, I, I get it. Uh, now, MBN has already spent about, yeah, blah, blah, blah. The investment plan includes $3.5 to make the MBN Co. highest wholesale speed tiers available as demand arises uh, to up to 75% of the homes and businesses, uh, taking fibre deeper into the neighbourhood service by fibre to the node technology, enabling on-demand fibre upgrades and speeds of up to one gigabit, capacity upgrades on the HFC network to support the availability of up to one gigabit speeds to all customers on this technology. That's me, so that's uh, happy days. Yeah. And a program on the FTTC network to deliver consistent speeds across the technology up to 100 megabits uh, and then enable on-demand access to G-fast capability to boost speeds up to one gigabit. That's all just gobbledygook. And but, that's, fi that's fibre to the FTTC, fibre to the yeah. curb. That's just pushing fibre to the node a little bit closer to your house. 
Yeah, so, but it says uh, for de- technology, consistent speeds across this technology up to 100 meg- megabits. Well, that's not that fast. I'm get- well, so- well for, for five, five bits of the node of this, five bit of the node can't, uh, but- can't get, you can barely get to um, 100. Yeah, okay. So you, the- you, you've got the luxury of um, F- uh, HFC, which will easily push beyond that. Mm. Well, there was something they had made fun of the uh, HFC in this article. I, I didn't copy it. I'll see if I can find it. They went, oh, if, if you're on HFC, <laughs> now I don't know why. Here it is here. Hang on. Here it is. Right. Yeah. Here. Uh, spill it, spill it, spill it. A total of 1.3 million were to get a shorter copper line with what is curiously known as fibre to the curve. And 2.5 million will have to live precariously on Hybrid fiber coaxial. Mm, okay. Why, why is HFC, why are we precariously, living precariously? I've got a feeling uh, HFC, I don't really know, but I'm thinking HFC may congest easily uh, because of the, because there's no copper in the system. It relies on um, uh, 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 radio frequency over copper. Right. Okay. That's why the CBD is copper. Hybrid fiber. Oh no, cable. So is cable? I don't even know. Is cable? I've never had it, so I wouldn't know. Is is cable optic fiber or copper? It'd be copper. It's coax. Yeah, yeah. And, and as long as it's uh, uh, copper and it's RF, it's it's much more limited than uh, optic fiber is. All right. Well, I'll live precariously. Uh, yeah, you make sure you do that. Yeah. Well, just to, to round out something a bit more uh, lighter of yeah content. Now, yeah, over there in old, good old England, where's the, I'll get the name of the place precisely, for those of you who are interested, uh, in Aberhosen Pouse, P-O-W-Y-S, wherever that is. Is that in England? I don't know. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm telling the story. So <laughs> it doesn't say, if it, is Pouse the name of the country? But anyway, somewhere overseas, all right? There was an old TV caused village broadband outage for 18 months. After 18 months, engineers began an investigation after a cable replacement program failed to fix internet dropouts. Engineers were baffled for 18 months wow. <laughs> by the continuous problem, and it wasn't until they used a monitoring device that they found what the fault was. Let me show you uh, just a picture of, the, of Pouse. There's Pouse. Pouse. House, okay. I'll Google that in a minute. We'll find out what's going on there. That's, so, that's probably that's probably a, a, a parish house, and Abenhausen is a town. German or something. So uh, the householder, so they found out what the fault was. This householder would switch their TV set on at 7 a.m. every morning, and electrical interference emitted by their second-hand television was affecting the broadband signal. Engineers walked around the village with a monitor called a spectrum analyzer. Try to find out to try and find any electrical noise to help them pinpoint the problem. At seven o'clock, bingo! Their their little bloody spectrum analyzer went off, and they go ha ha over there. <laughs> so it turned out that at seven a.m. every morning, the occupant would switch on their old TV, which would in turn knock out the broadband for the entire village. I, I bet you the TV was one of those um, with CRT TV. You'd have to think so, wouldn't you? No, or maybe because they. TV, you know. Continue. The TV was found to be emitting a high signal, to be emitting a single high-level impulse noise, or shine, which causes electrical interference in other devices. So Mr. Jones said the problem has not returned since the fault was identified. So the village had now has a stable broadband signal. But yes, uh, apparently the guy said he was not going to use that TV anymore. I would have said, well, if everyone shipped in for a new one, I'll, I'll, I'll chuck it out. It doesn't look like a big town, so chances are you think the community could have gone, okay, who does things at 7 o'clock in the morning? Yes. <laughs> who's, up, who's up at 7 in the morning? Now, yeah, watching TV. Gee, that's, why would you turn the TV on at 7 a.m.? Let me find out what this is. Abbasset, wherever it is. Let me Google this town. Oh, it's, a fict- it's probably fictitious. <laughs> it's, oh, it's Welsh. Welsh. Welsh pronunciation is what? Help info? Is that a Wikipedia thing? But, I mean, what's that? What? Let me, I'm having a full screen. Hang on. Um, 
in the Wikipedia result. Now click on the link. Yeah, it's Wikipedia. Click on the link. Yeah, it says help info. So maybe okay. the, the writer okay. of the article needs help. That's better. It needs help. See? Ignore that. Keep going. Is <laughs> is a village in Welsh principal area of Pals. Located between the historic town of somewhere and the village of somewhere else. It is <laughs> it is in the historic county of Montgomeryshire. That's an easy one to pronounce. There is a memorial nearby, about in 1990, to the broadcaster from BBC, Lewis John Winford Vaughan Thomas. See, they got some good names over there. He yeah. started after his death in 1987. But if anyone knows the Welsh pronunciation of Abishan, um, Wikipedia needs your help. Apply <laughs> there. <laughs> <laughs> No, you click on that and it'll it'll say it out loud. Let's see if we can hear it. Play. Play. Aberosan. Oh, did you hear that? Yeah, now you say that. Hang on, uh, let me listen again. Aberosan. 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 Ah. Yeah, you're welcome, son. Aberosan. So, yes, son. Yeah, so let me, so an unnamed household in Aberosan. And I don't even know how to say Prowse. Howie's, wherever that is. Anyway, good stuff. Anyway, let's get out of here. We're starting to falter. And yes. yes. An unsuitable content of the show. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. So you can get us on uh, Facebook. I said youtube.com forward slash Aussie Tech Ed. Uh, you can find Paul up in Toowoomba somewhere. Just look out for him on the motorbike and the and the blue shirt and the yellow name, yellow company name on his shirt. Yeah. Oh, you can also search uh, the internet. And for those who need help with, one of those articles we're talking about, about um, something, whatever it was. <laughs> Search if you need uh, help and you're happy to pay for it. Yeah. Um, call, uh, just look up entire computer services as per as, there. You'll find me. Uh, what, what's your email? No, we won't say that online. All just right. look, it up, look it up. Look it up. It's probably yeah. call at computer services. Or no, just look it up. You'll find me. <laughs> you'll find me. All right. Uh, Yes. Yeah, so okay. So that's all good, and we—that's about it, isn't it? So uh, yeah, it is. Have you get the the Aussie Tech Radio and nice stuff. All right. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for it's good to see you again. And, you too. Uh, and uh, good to see that Jason Willer continuing the the great strides and strengths of the show for the other three other weeks that we're not here. So, I mean, yeah, I'm, keep I'm, keep, it, keep it going, you guys. We're about once a month, and uh, and once again, thanks for all the the donations. We appreciate that. It just goes to show that. Hopefully, it gives some feedback to say we're, we're, we're doing something right and he's enjoying it, and that's the whole the point about it. All right, thanks, Paul. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading, and we'll see you, and you'll hear us next time as well. Okay, so bye for now. Okay. Catch you later.